But today I want to talk to you about David, and, and, and this is a backstory message. It's a, it's a message about David's backstory. I think most of us know David's highlights. We know his highlight reel. He was king. He, he killed Goliath. You remember that? He killed the lion and the bear before he ever met Goliath. And, and David has a lot of great highlights to his story. But the reality is, is that behind every great story is a backstory. And so there were some things that went on in David's life in his backstory that I feel like we need to talk about today because I believe there's some of you that are walking through your backstory right now, and I just believe we're going to get a little freedom this morning. Anybody expect to get free this morning? Good. So, so David, great guy, great backstory, incredible man of God. The Bible even says that he was a man after God's own heart. He was the, the greatest king of Israel. He was successful in battles. He had fame. He had lonely nights. He had the years he was running from crazy King Saul. You remember those years he was running from Saul? He had all those things going on. Think about the grief and the, and the pain and the, the discord in his own family. Maybe the letdowns. Yet the funny thing about David is that he was not a bitter or a hard man. David remained a man of God through all of that. And I believe there's a secret in there. I believe there's, there's a a secret sauce in there that we need to pull out today, that David had something, David did something that got him through all of these things. You got to remember, David was the unifier of the nation of Israel. He wrote many of the Psalms. What an incredible life. All these highs and then yet all these lows. Does that feel like your life today? As a young man, David, David didn't even look like a warrior or a king. The Bible, the Bible first describes David the first description of David is ruddy. I've never been described as ruddy. Okay, you'll get that in a minute. <laughs> Many around him didn't see his potential, yet he was the youngest in his family. He didn't receive much affirmation from those around him. His earliest battles weren't with the lion or the bear. His actual earliest battles were with the limitations that people were putting on him. You ever been, how many of you, you're the youngest kid? In the family, raise your hand real quick. You're the youngest. You ever felt some limitations? You ever felt, you ever heard that statement? Oh, you, you're just young. You just hang tight. David had the first battle through those limitations before he ever got to the lion or the bear. Jesse, David's father, didn't think that David had God, had king potential. Think about that. His own daddy didn't think that he had king potential. It's amazing. Maybe you felt that pain where you had a parent that didn't affirm you or didn't see the potential inside of you. Or maybe you were, you were raised up in an environment where no one tried to cultivate the potential inside of you. And you felt that pain of always being knocked down, always being held back, always having limitations put on you. Maybe you felt that pain in your life. Jesse was excited. Jesse was excited because the prophet Samuel was coming to anoint the next king of Israel from his household. Samuel sent, a, sent information ahead, said, Jesse, you need to prepare your sons. I'm coming to anoint the next king. He was going to take them from the house of Jesse. Jesse had seven boys and he had David. So he had eight boys total. So, so Jesse, is, is, he's excited. I mean, think about that. If you got a letter from somebody, from the prophet... And he said, I'm coming to your house to anoint the next king of Israel. I wouldn't sleep at night. 
Right? I bet, I bet Jesse stayed up with his wife talking about all the wonderful attributes of all of his sons and how they would all make great kings. I bet he didn't sleep at all the night before when he was sitting there thinking, I wonder who God is going to choose. So he made preparations. I'm sure he cleaned the house up. I'm sure he cut the yard. I'm sure he had the best, the best. He went to, he went to uh, the superette and got the best steak he could get. And he, he prepared everything for the, for, for the prophet to come because the prophet was going to choose one of his sons to be the next king of Israel. So Samuel arrives and at his arrival, Jesse has all of his sons lined up, ready to go. I'm sure they wore their best robe. I'm sure they took a bath, even though it wasn't Saturday. I'm sure they had their best sandals on. I'm sure they brushed their hair. And however they used to brush their teeth, I'm sure they did that too. And so they were all ready for the prophet to come in and choose one of them to be a king. And so, so Jesse had all of his sons. Think about this. He had all of them prepared and ready. Lined up, ready for the, ready for the prophet to come. He had all of his sons except David. Talk about rejection. Think about this. He didn't even call David in to take a bath to get ready for the prophet to come. He didn't even give him that chance. That's how much he didn't believe David had king potential. Didn't even give him a chance to get selected. I mean, he's like, just just stay with the sheep, son. You ever hear that in your life? Just just keep doing that. You're good enough where you're at. Samuel walks in, the prophet walks in, he's a man of God, he walks in and immediately he he starts to see things like Jesse does. Samuel's looking at these boys' outward appearance and he's thinking, surely this one's going to be the king. Watch this in 1 Samuel chapter 16. If you want to go there in your Bibles, if not, it's on the screen. It says this, so it was when they came that he looked at Eliab and said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. You need to underline that in your Bible because you're going to need that for the rest of your life. The Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the what? The heart. I don't know if you're like me, but when I read that, something inside of me goes, Thank God he looks at my heart. Man. Right? Samuel got caught up in the whole outward appearance thing and and what they look like on the outside. And so then in a moment, Samuel says, is this all of your sons? Because he went before every one of them. And the Lord said, no, 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 no. And I bet Jesse's going, man, hold up. There's some good boys. I mean, that's what I would do if I had my seven best sons standing before the prophet to be selected. I'd be like, hold up, Samuel. You need to run by this again. Let's let's pray one more time. Let me feed you something. (laughs) Let me give you a little crawfish etouffee. I'm going to make you change it. Something's going to happen, right? Samuel says, well, is this all of your sons? And and Jesse says, no, there's there's there is another one. Well, where is he? He's out in the field with the sheep. And I I preached from this last week. Samuel said, we're not going to sit down until he comes. Think about that. Samuel said, I'm not sitting down. I'm not getting comfortable. I'm not going to be at peace. I'm not going to be at rest. I'm not going to have joy until the right one comes. You follow me? 
You are the right one for somebody's life this week, and you need to be ready for that. And they're not going to have peace until you show up with the living power of Jesus inside of you, and you deliver that to them. Amen? They are waiting for you. Samuel said, I'm not going to sit down. We're not going to rest. We're not going to eat until he shows up. And David shows up, and Samuel anoints him as king, and God put his yes on David. Think about that. God put his yes on David in front of all the the people that were putting limitations on David. God put a yes on him. God put a yes on him. Listen to what David said in Psalms 139, 13 to 14. He says this, for you formed me. You formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. You see, when God puts a yes on you and you get to break through the limitations that other people have put on you, you have a different kind of relationship with God now. Because he's the first one to affirm you. You see, God was the first person to ever affirm me as a man. I was raised by a single mom. My dad scattered when he was when I was born. I mean, he just did his own thing. Went and got married. I don't know how many times. Never came back around. Didn't meet him till I was 18. I had no affirmation. At 16, 17, and 18 years old, I was so full of rage and anger that I started drinking and smoking dope. And, and just I had this uncontrollable anger in me because I, I was just bitter inside. I was frustrated inside. I knew there was something greater for me, but I couldn't explain it. I couldn't get it out. And everybody around me was putting limitations on me. Everybody was telling me what I couldn't do. The first time I met my pastor, Pastor Bubba, he was the first person in my life to look me square in the eyes and tell me what I can do. Don't worry about what you can't do. You stay focused on what you can do and you're going to forget about what you can't do. I understand that pain. I've, I've been there where, where you just don't have anybody. It feels like on your team, nobody's on your side. Nobody's trying to bring the best out in you. Because, man, when, when God affirms you, let me tell you something, your relationship changes. That's why David wrote most of the Psalms, because he just had to pour his heart out back to God. So time goes on, David's anointed king, and then, and then the Israelites go to war with the Philistines. And you remember the story of Goliath, and Goliath's out there, and he's taunting the army of Israel. The whole army got Goliath nine foot nine inches, probably about the height I am right now. Nine foot nine inches, and he's taunting them, and he's talking trash to them. And the whole Israelite army is scared. David, he's, he's been anointed as king, but he has to go back to the sheep. That would have been a little bummer for me. I'm thinking, oh, wow, I get oil on me and I get to, I'm going to be king? Sweet, I don't have to go back to the sheep anymore. That would have been my thoughts. But then he had to go back to the sheep. So David, but David wasn't good enough to go to battle. But he was good enough to bring lunch to his brothers at the battle. And one day his father packs up a lunch for the boys and he says, hey, David, I need you to go bring this to your brothers. And so David does. And the crazy thing is, is that David's brothers didn't see he had warrior potential in him. He felt rejection from his brothers. They were at war and and David comes packing a lunch and 
he sees what's going on. He just walks up. I mean, he's not prepared to go to battle. He's not thinking he's going to battle. He's, he's just bringing lunch, just doing what his daddy told him to do. And he sees this giant taunting God's people and something inside of him rises up. Remember, he's now anointed. We can be anointed today and you don't need to take the anointing for granted and you don't need to be scared of it because you are anointed. And when God pours his anointing on you, something changes. You make a decision on what side you're going to be on now. And when and if anybody starts talking bad about God, you're going to rise. Something should rise up inside of you. David walks up with a snack pack in his hand and this giant's talking trash. And David goes, hold up, swole up. What you said? You said something about my God? I mean, he starts talking smack. Remember, he's still ruddy. He's probably 16 or 17 years old. You know how it was when you were 16 or 17. You could take on anything, right? He walks up and he goes, man, what, what's going on? But his brothers didn't see that. Watch what his oldest brother says to him in 1 Samuel 17, 28. It says, now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men. And Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? You know your pride and your insolence of your heart. I know it. He says, for you have come down to see the battle. His brother starts ridiculing him. I mean, the brother walks up with a snack pack. And the oldest brother starts ridiculing him. Rejection. Rejection. David could have in that moment just put his head down and said, and I'm sure, like me, you've done that before. You just, after you get so many limitations put on you, you feel so much rejection, you just finally go. <sighs> Have you ever felt that? But you know what? Today was a different day. It was a different day for David because that didn't run him off. You see, his brothers knew he had potential to be an errand boy, but they never saw him as a warrior like God did. So David keeps talking. He doesn't put his head down this time. He doesn't walk away this time. He keeps talking trash to the, to the giant. And he says, I'll fight him. And so word gets back to King Saul that somebody actually wants to go down and fight the giant. And so King Saul is probably relieved because he's the other biggest guy in the, in the whole fight. And he's probably relieved because he doesn't have to go. And so he says, bring this guy to me, expecting to see a big man. Expect to see Pastor Jamie walk up in the building. I ain't going to say nobody's name that's ruddy, but, you know, this other guy walks in and he goes, hold up, man. What what's you? You going to do that? David didn't see. I mean, Saul didn't see that David had champion potential. First Samuel 17, 32 to 33 says, let this is David speaking. He says, let no man's heart fail because of him, the giant. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. David, I mean, Saul says, you're not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him. You are a youth and he a man of war. <laughs> Limitations. Pushing him down. Holding him back. I tell you, I'm learning a valuable lesson today that if I'll quit putting limitations on younger people than me and I say, man, go ahead. You never know what's going to happen. I wonder if Jesus would have told Peter, no, man, you can't walk on water. 
the story of Peter actually walking on water would never be in the Bible. But what did Jesus say? Jesus said, man, man, come on, you, (laughs) you crazy sucker. You come on, walk on that water. And he put them snapping turtles up underneath his feet for him to walk on. I mean, however it happened. That's what happens when you start with a Boudreaux and Thibodeau joke. But Saul never saw that David had champion potential. He didn't think David was champion material. He didn't think David could beat the giant. So Saul says David must have been pretty adamant because Saul finally says, okay, bro, you want to go fight him? (laughs) Here, take my armor. And I love the way VeggieTales does it. (laughs) You you see, you've seen the VeggieTales version. Everybody needs to watch the VeggieTales version of of David and the Goliath. And and so he puts this armor on him and it's like it's, it's hanging out there to his feet and he can't move. And he goes, you know what? This might not work. And so... David, I mean, Saul tries to put his armor on David, but David refused. But you know what David refused when he refused Saul's armor? He refused to accept Saul's low expectations of him. You see, he went out to face Goliath like only he could face Goliath, just as himself. Are you hearing me? Just as himself, he didn't want to, Saul's low expectations to be put on him. Here's something interesting to hear. It says, you can't ever win a battle designed only for you while pretending to be someone else. The battle with Goliath was designed for David to fight. David was designed to fight that battle and Goliath was designed to die to David's little stone. Are you hearing me? He could not go out with Saul's armor, with Saul's approach, with Saul's way of solving the problem and expect to defeat the giant when only he was designed in himself to be himself to beat the giant. You are the best you there ever is on the planet. So David goes out just as he is. And so then we see Goliath and Goliath didn't even think David had opponent potential. Goliath didn't see David as a worthy opponent. In fact, Goliath was quite offended, which I thought was pretty hilarious, that he was, he was quite offended that they sent this ruddy little boy out here to fight me. <laughs> I'd love to know what was going through Goliath's mind, but he shares a little bit with us in, in chapter 17, verse 30, 43 and 44. This is Goliath speaking. He says, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beast of the fields. In other words, Goliath was telling David, you're not even worthy of a proper burial. I'm going to rip you in pieces and I'm going to feed you to nature. You're not even worthy. This is a joke. He was insulted that David would come out. Goliath despised David. You know, you can easily determine the caliber of a person by the amount of opposition it takes to discourage him. At this point in David's life, he had faced a lot of discouragement, a lot of limitations, a lot of rejection. But where's he at? He's he's walking down to the battlefield. He's facing his giant. Are you seeing this with all those limitations, all those rejections, all those things, that lack of affirmation? Nobody ever told him he was a champion. Nobody ever told him he was a warrior. Nobody ever spoke king potential into him. But he walks down to the battle. 
He was able to go beyond relational limitations. He was able to go beyond leadership limitations. And he was able to go beyond his opponent's limitations. Well, this is good stuff. Because he was able to throw off all of his limitations, he killed the giant and removed the limitations from the army of Israel so they could rout the Philistine army. You got to get this. David comes down to face the giant. And because he broke through all the limitations, all the holding back, all the things that were negative in his life, he broke through those things and he pressed through. Because of that, he killed the giant. When the giant fell, it sparked something in the army that nobody else could spark. And the army got all hyped up and it wasn't Mountain Dew. They got all hyped up and they ran down in the valley like a bunch of banshees and they killed the Philistine army. David's personal victory turned into a national victory. You never know what's on the other side of you breaking through. You never know what's on the other side of you shucking off the limitations that people have put on you. You never know what's on the other side of telling the devil to shut up. And maybe even telling other people to shut up. You see, if you're going to break limitations in your life, you may have to look at some people and say, I love you, but shut up. No, I'm serious. Because people always want to come to you. Anytime you're about to get a little victory in your life, who's coming? Oh, nanny negative, right? Well, you know, you're going to get this and you're going to find that and it might not work. And Shut up! God said to go, shut up! See, I think that's a bad thing. So let me give you three lessons on limitations. Number one, limitations don't limit us unless we let them. Hmm. Limitations don't limit us unless we let them. Despite everyone's limitations, David had great potential. In fact, David had God potential. I bet you David never forgot the day he was anointed as king. I guarantee you he went back to that moment time and time and time again. You know why? Because that was the moment that God put a yes on him. And you see, if you're going to break through limitations in your life, you're going to have to remember the day that God put a yes on you. And you're going to have to remember what he says about you to drown out all the noise of what everybody else says about you. Are you hearing me? You got to go back to that day. There's moments in my life that I go back to. I remember them like a like a clear picture. I remember the moment, the day, what the sun looked like. I remember those moments. I have to. I have to remember the day that God put a yes on me. From that day on, the spirit of the Lord was on him. I bet you David soon realized how powerful this anointing thing was. Remember, he went back to the sheep and it was then that he faced the lion and the bear. And in, the, in facing the lion and the bear, which at the time he probably thought was a great challenge, he, un, he began to understand the anointing that was on his life. The anointing is basically God's Holy Spirit giving you the power to do what you can't do in your own strength. 
That's all the anointing is. The anointing just makes you supernatural. It's not you. It's him. It's his spirit on you, giving you the ability to do what you can't do in your own strength. That's the anointing. David began to learn what the anointing was about. Right? God can do the same things with us. Look at your neighbor and say, God can do that for you. Tell him that back. I'm going to prove it to you in scripture. Watch what Romans 8.31 says to 33. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with Jesus, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. If God is for you, it doesn't matter who's against you. Amen? It doesn't matter if they got a greater status than you do, if they have more money than you do, if they have some kind of authority over you. It doesn't matter. If God is for you, it doesn't matter who's against you. Stop focusing on your enemy and start focusing on who God's called you to be. And you'll walk past your enemies like little toys. Just push them out the way. Get out of there. Get. Get off my ankle. We serve an unlimited God, y'all. He's unlimited. There's nothing holding God back. Who can tear you down if God is for you? You got to remember, you're a child of God and nobody messes with God's kids. God's a good parent. God's God's protective. He's jealous, the Bible says. If somebody's trying to mess with you, you need to say, hey, I'm going to get my daddy. Well, I know you're the, no, I'm talking about my real daddy. Right? God protects his kids. He looks out for us. When you look at David to this point in his life, you realize something about David that maybe you've never seen before. But David knew who he was in God. David had confidence. That's the only way you're the youngest kid on the block and you walk up between the the whole army and you say, I'll fight him. Is you got to know who you are. You see, the problem with the church today is we don't know who we are. But man, let me tell you something from personal experience. When you, when you discover who you are and you remind yourself who you are and you learn how to live out of who you are in God and not who you are in other people, man, let me tell you something. There's another anointing that comes on you. There's another power that happens and there's a confidence that goes before you and you look at situations and things and people and you say, that's, that's not bigger than God. And it's not bigger than me because I am who I am in God. Are you seeing this? Lord, help the devil when the church realizes who they are. We got to realize who we are in God and we need to walk in that confidence. That's why it's important to read your Bible. Listen, I don't want you to read your Bible to make you legalistic and and think that you can you can do your daily duty to make God proud of you. He already loves you. He loves you when you don't read your Bible. He just wishes you would read your Bible so you can remind yourself of who you are. Read your Bible to remind yourself of who you are. Quote a little scripture over yourself. Right? 
But instead, what do we do? We repeat what other people say about us. That's the natural thing that's going to run through your mind. Listen to me. I've learned this just in the last year. The natural thing that runs through my mind is all the negativity that I hear. When I lay my head on the pillow, I don't even have to sweat. Just the negativity comes through my mind and I start wrestling. And I start listening to the lies of the enemies and I start getting broke down on the inside. It takes discipline to remind yourself of what God says about you. It takes discipline to take the truth of God's word and cross those lies out and say, devil, you're a liar. That is not true about me. God, you know my heart. I have the mind of Christ. Come on, somebody. So let me ask you a question. When you look in the mirror, what do you see? Do you see failures or do you see victories? Do you see limitations or do you see potential? Do you see what you lack or do you see plenty? Do you repeat the harsh words you heard in the past? Or do you speak the word of God over your life? We have to constantly remind ourselves of who we are in Christ. Constantly. It's not a one and done kind of thing. I'm sorry. It's not when we get to heaven, it'll be done. But right now, you're going to have to constantly remind yourself of who you are in Christ. It may sound weird, but sometimes you need to look in the mirror and talk to yourself. And if you need to answer yourself, go ahead. I don't think you're crazy. But here's the truth. You are not not what others say you are. You are what God says you are. And today, I'm telling you right now, I prayed last night and this morning that God's going to break this limitation off of you. He's going to break these lies of the enemy off of you today. And so I'm just going to say that again because some of you need to hear that. You're going to get broken right now. You are not what others say you are. You are what God says you are. Others didn't create the universe and the world. God did. So number one, going back to it, limitations don't limit us unless we let them. Number two, don't try to be someone else when others impose limitations on you. You ever had somebody try to make you like them? Make you be a certain way, fit into a certain mold, say the right thing, do the right thing, just like they like it? That's an easy thing to do. As a leader, you'll understand it's easy to try and put your armor on other people. But you've got to realize that your armor is not going to work on other people. So don't try to be someone else when others impose limitations on you. When Saul tried to put his armor on David, what he was really trying to do was to get David to attack his problems like Saul would. But David wasn't designed to attack his problems like Saul would. David was designed to attack his problems like David would. You see, this is the crazy thing. God didn't want to substitute David. I mean, a substitute Saul. He wanted a David. He didn't want Saul to go down. He didn't want David to go down with Saul's armor and be a substitute Saul. He wanted an original David to go down and kill the giant. Are you seeing this? God doesn't want you to go into your your battles, into the places that he's calling you to, acting like somebody else. He wants you to go like you because you were designed to go in those places. You got to remember this. So don't try to be somebody else. Be who God's called you to be. This ought to be freeing you up right now. I mean, seriously. Most counselors get paid for this. 
I mean, see, you ought to be getting freed up right now. You can relax. You can be yourself. If you're funny, by God, be funny. We need more funny people in the church. If you're passionate, be passionate. If you're aggressive, listen to me. Because I'm aggressive, it's okay to be aggressive. Somebody should go, ah. You know why? Because God designed you that way. And I don't know about you, but I've spent too much time trying to be what other people wanted me to be. I'm the only Jamie there is. Six foot three and bald headed. I'm the only one. Nobody else can be me. Right? Nobody else can be you. Be yourself. Be who God designed you to be. Learn how he designed you. Learn how he created you. By the way, that's why we have next step. Just throw a little plug in it. We have next step to help you discover your personality, but also your spiritual giftings. That's how much we believe in you being who you are. Is that we'll stay after church every Sunday of the month to sit down with some people and help them understand who they are in Christ. Help them to have a biblical foundation. It's church membership. It's how you become a member of the church. But that's what we've designed it for. That may be your first step today. It's to jump in the next step. God will never hold you accountable for the for gifts he, you don't have or responsibilities he hasn't given you. You don't have to be somebody else. You don't have to try to walk under somebody else's gifting. Just take care of what God wants you to take care of. Good so far? First Samuel chapter 30, verse 6. And David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Listen to me. This is another secret that you need to write down in your notes. That David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. You're not always going to have a running buddy next to you to lean on. You're not always going to have a God-sent man or woman of God that's going to just walk with you through every, every step in life. Sooner or later, listen to me, sooner or later, you're going to have to learn how to encourage yourself in the Lord. What does that mean, Pastor? That means you need to have a little bit of Scripture memorized in your heart. That means you need to know what God says about you and how you can get underneath His protection and how you can be covered by Him and how you can have victory in Him you got to learn to encourage yourself. David, in this moment, they had, they had lost a great battle. And David, everybody thought they had lost their sons and daughters. And everybody was mad at David. And David was getting discouraged. But he, he remembered, I need to encourage myself in the Lord. There's a greater mission. There's a greater plan. There's a greater purpose. I can't stay defeated. You see, there needs to be an urgency in you not to stay defeated. God, there's got to be an urgency that when you fall, when you stumble, when you, when you fall flat on your face, there needs to be an urgency to get back up. God didn't put me in the condemnation business. He put me in the freedom business. He called me to call other men and women into freedom and to pick them up off the floor. He doesn't need anybody else to push them down. He's called us into the reconciliation business. In other words, bringing them back into a relationship with him. And the sooner you get off the ground, the sooner you get back into the relationship. 
You ever see those, those kids or those maybe even young toddlers? And they, they always, I mean, mamas, I, I just, I really admire you because they always break down in Walmart in front of everybody, right? I mean, them kids, you know, they could be little angels at home, but you get them to Walmart and you tell them no to a piece of gum and it's like spasm all over the floor. You ever see that? Some of us look like that when we, when we face discouragement or when we fall. It's like a bunch of grown people on the floor. My kids all did that one time. And when the way they came up off the floor, they realized I better never do this again. Are you hearing me? I lifted them up with my righteous right hand. I was, whoa. I'm serious. We only had that one time. And I think that might have been with Virginia. I don't know. But the rest of them were like. They took personal. Do not throw yourself on the floor. One of the greatest signs of maturity is how fast you get up after you fall. Hey, look at me. We all stumble and fall. We all find ourselves in discouragement. We all find ourselves broke down at times and beaten. That's okay. It's going to happen. This is a journey. This is, this is a, we're, we're traveling through time until we get to eternity. Listen to me. That's okay. It's going to happen. I understand. But listen to me. When you do get discouraged and you do fall flat on your face, and learn how to encourage yourself in the Lord. Get back up as quickly as possible. Amen, Pastor. Not only did David knew who he was, or know who he was and whose he was, he knew how to encourage himself in the Lord. (laughs) You're not always going to have a cheerleader running with you. Some of you, and I'm going to say this very lovingly but hard, some of you lean on the cheerleaders in your life a little bit too much. Your friends are tired. Tired of holding you up. And cheering you on. Listen, we got people that come in this church. I guarantee every Sunday they walk in. And when I see them hit the door, I go, okay, got you ready. And I pick this one up. And they come in and like. And I greet them. Hey, good morning. Come on, pick your head up. Listen to me. Your friends are getting tired. Your cheerleaders are ready to quit. Learn how to encourage yourself in the Lord. Learn how to encourage yourself in the Lord. And then turn around and be an encouragement to somebody else for for Christ's sake. You've been been depressed too long. Sometimes I'm just going to grab people. "Ah, Come out of it. I need to be encouraged. It's my turn. You ever feel that way? Anybody got a friend like that? Just go, man, would you shut up and just encourage me? Felt good. Seriously, it did feel good. (laughs) David knew how to encourage himself when no one else was around. Watch what Psalms 57.1 says. Be merciful to me. Oh God, be merciful to me. For my soul trusts in you. And in the shadow of your wings I will make my refuge. Until these calamities have passed by. 
Listen to me, there needs to be an urgency inside of you to get underneath the wings of God's protection, to, to, to put yourself in his care. And, and you may need to cry out and say, oh, Lord, be merciful to me. Please, Lord, show me some protection. Show, Lord, let me hide underneath. Am I, am I at the right church? I mean, seriously, there comes times in life where you need to you need to know who you can get protection from. You need to know who can pick you up off the floor. Be who God made you to be. You were born an original. Don't die a copy. Be who God's called you to be. Number three. Last one. When you rise above your limitations, you can help others do the same. When you rise above your limitations, you can help others do the same. You see, when David faced Goliath, think about that moment when David's coming down that valley. He done talked all this trash. He done made all these confident statements that he was going. He done turned down the the armor of the king. He's like, I'm coming down here. Think about what David was feeling. I imagine his heart was racing. I imagine the only thing he was thinking about was that, Lord Jesus, I better win this battle. I'm going to look like a fool. I bet he was praying, Lord, you better show up or this is it for me. All he was focused on was his battle with his giant. You got you to follow me here. His battle with his giant. And, we, and most times we get so focused on our own giants that we never realize that the people around us are facing giants also. But sometimes somebody has to beat their giants. Somebody has to rise up and bam, punch that sucker in the nose. Right? And you never know what it's going to do to the people around you. David put the rock in his sling and he starts winding it up and the, and the, the Goliath's doing his thing and he just lets that thing go. And remember, he's anointed. Enabled and empowered to do what he can't do in his own strength. I guarantee you the Holy Spirit breathed on that rock when he came out that sling and said, And that rock went and popped him right in the forehead and knocked him out. Then an eruption happened. All the guys that were scared, all the guys that were ridiculing him and condemning him and putting limits on him. They had the old shoots all of a sudden. I mean, think about the the dead going giant field. Oh, man. Oh, God. Let's go. Whoa. I mean, do y'all not watch fights? Y'all don't watch MMA? I mean, when the little guy gets up and he knocks the big guy down, I come out the sofa. Whoa. Pray for me. I'm just an excitable guy. But the army took off and they went after him. They went after the other army and they defeated them. You got to get this. You never know what's on the other side of your breakthrough. You never know who's waiting for you to break through. I'll give you a good example. We uh, schedule the baptism. We do this about three times a year, three or four times a year. We schedule baptisms. And it's one particular Sunday. We schedule a baptism. And I think we had like three or four people signed up to get baptized. If you've been around here long enough, we'll set this big old pool up right here and, and we'll push the chairs back and make a big deal about it. And 
three or four people was going to get baptized that day. I was praying and asking God for others to get baptized. I wasn't satisfied with four people getting baptized. And so, as we always do when we do baptisms, we baptize the four. And I said, hey, if uh, anybody else wants to get baptized, I know you didn't come dressed, but the water's warm. It's set up. And I shut up. How many of you remember that Sunday? I sat there. I sat there and I waited and it got awkward. You see, there's a secret to waiting on God. Sometimes it feels awkward, but then the breakthrough comes. And I'll never forget Stacy was sitting right over here somewhere. And Stacy stood up. She had tears falling down her face. And she stepped into that aisle. And when she stood up, you could feel something in the room. I'm not talking about hokey pokey stuff. I'm talking about something real. You felt something real in the room that happened. And Stacy got out and she walked down that aisle. And before you knew it, there was a line of people behind her. And we were scheduled to, to baptize four that day. And by the end of the day, we baptized 16. You never know. You never know what's on the other side of you stepping out. Amen. Little did David know what his victory would do. There's people around you living in fear and intimidation. But you can replace that with courage and strength. My prayer for you today is that you would start seeing yourself as God sees you. And stop seeing yourself as others have saw you. Galatians 5.1 says this. It's the last verse. Worship team can come up and get ready. Galatians 5.1 says this. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Why did Christ set you free? For freedom. So, so, so let me teach you something real quick. It is for the, for the sake of freedom that Christ has set you free. He didn't set you free For just you to be free. It's for the greater vision, the greater purpose of freedom amongst his people that he set you free. You see, when Christ set you free, it was with the intentions that you would turn around and set others free. 